It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by betonline.ag. If you are looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1 so you get the 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, they are your online sports book experts. Wow, Joe, it is already week number four in the NFL. Joe Dolan, of course, at FG underscore Dolan is his Twitter handle. He's an absolute stud. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, trying to provide a little extra insight as Joe just dominates like he has. Speaking of dominating, make sure you are dominating the parts that you need to dominate. You know what I'm talking about. Talking about manscaping. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your you-know-what's nuts. You know, you got it. Anyway, they also have Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, and Moisturizer. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. Very important that you always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code FEAST. That's the key. Also is one way in which you can enter the free Madden contest over on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast this week. Joe, let's start with a Thursday nighter that is really interesting for a bunch of reasons, including one is not exactly the fantasy points we've been looking for from these two teams so far this season. It's the Eagles at the Packers. It's at least understandable for the Eagles. Uh, They're dealing with a lot of issues at the wide receiver position. I think they had seven or eight drop passes last week, and that doesn't even count the Nelson Aguilar bizarre fumble. I'm sure you've seen the the viral video of the of the gentleman in Philadelphia who was rescuing babies from a fire, and he claimed that he didn't drop them when they were being thrown to him. Unlike Aguilar, have you seen that? Of course, it's it's amazing. And and Aguilar's response. Where he offered the guy to come Very to the game good. is even better. Very good. He's coming to the game. Um, only in Philadelphia can a loss turn into a couple of hilarious memes like that. But when you look at the, the wide receiver position for them, it looks like they're going to get Alshon Jeffrey back. That is huge for Carson Wentz this week. Unfortunately for Alshon Jeffrey, he's probably going to have to see the coverage of Jair Alexander, who's done a really good job in shadow coverage. But it at least spreads out Carson Wentz's target tree a little bit more. I would expect to see Nelson Aguilar continue to get targeted, especially if Deshaun Jackson doesn't play. Zach Ertz should get the ball here. And I'm really interested to see how the Eagles deploy their running back 
backs this week. In terms of pure running, I actually think Jordan Howard has looked the best. But of their three, Howard, Miles Sanders, and Darren Sproles, he also is the worst receiver. And the Eagles really appreciate versatility. Miles Sanders fumbled twice last week, losing one, but he also had 73 yards on two catches getting down the field uh, as a receiver. And I think that's going to play up here for Carson Wentz. And despite the Eagles lacking weapons at the wide receiver position, Carson Wentz has still been a top 10 quarterback each of the first two weeks. This is a really difficult spot here against the Packers. But keep in mind, the Packers have faced the likes of Mitchell Trubisky and Joe Flacco thus far. Not exactly quarterbacks on the skill level of a Carson Wentz. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles score a few more points than you anticipate in this game. What does it mean? You you mentioned the running backs and you Mm -hmm. mentioned the receivers. What are we doing with the running backs or the other receivers in our lineup or or even Zach Ertz? Miles Sanders is a flex. I think Jordan Howard is a flex. If you use Jordan Howard as a flex, you have to pray that he scores a touchdown. Sanders has a little bit more leeway because he's going to catch the ball. Uh, Remember, two, two receptions for 73 yards last week. But you also have to keep in mind, if Sanders keeps fumbling, there's going to be more of more and more of a reason to take him off the field. So I think Jordan Howard is the safer floor, but Miles Sanders by far played his best game with the exception of the fumbles. With Zach Ertz, uh, he leads the the position, the tight end position in targets per game, but it's hurting the Eagles that they don't have their full complement of weapons and their offensive line hasn't exactly performed up to task as well. I'm interested to see though if Dallas Goddard, who was clearly limited in week number week number three, is able to go a little bit harder here in week four. On the other side, the Packers, what do you got? Aaron Rodgers, not very good right now, hasn't finished as a top 16 quarterback all season, according to my friend Graham Barfield. The the Aaron on this team that you want to play is Aaron Jones. Here is the issue. Aaron Jones is dealing with a shoulder injury. He played a season-low 39% of the snaps last week, while Jamal Williams' snaps are up to 61%. It also doesn't help either of those two backs that the Eagles are really – awesome against the run. They're allowing the second fewest rushing yards per game right now at under 60 yards per game. on Johnson averaged under two yards per carry against the Eagles, and this has been a recurring theme here uh, for the Eagles. They really held Devontae Freeman down in week number two. Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson did nothing in week number one. Well, uh, it was Darius Geis uh, for the Redskins at that point, but this is a really, really tough spot for these backs. I'm downgrading both of them, Jones to a low-end RB2, and Williams I'm probably not using, even though I think he should be on people's radars. At the wide receiver position, the Eagles have given up five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown to at least one wide receiver in three consecutive weeks. Terry McLaurin in week one, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in week two, and Marvin Jones in week three. The issue here is the Eagles cannot play Ronald Darby in this game. He's got a hamstring injury. And their defense improved last week when Ronald Darby went down, when they went to Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones at corner. I wonder if they're going to play a little bit better on the outside. That being said, full systems go for Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's received six-plus targets in each of the first three games of this season, is also on the radar. The problem I have with Valdez-Scantling is he feels like a guy that we're going to be wrong about every week. One of those like fringe wide receiver three or four type of guys who you play them the wrong week and you sit them the wrong week. But this would be one where all the logic suggests you can play Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The Eagles have given up the fourth most passing yards per game thus far this season. 
Let's get to the Sunday slate, Joe. We'll start with the Tennessee Titans at the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. Well, Tennessee, it's still really only Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker here. And if you had Delaney Walker last week, you appreciate the volume uh, that he got in that game. He saw nine targets, but Marcus Mariota missed him twice for potential touchdowns. And I, I have no faith in this passing game right now. I know Marcus Mariota threw for over 300 yards, but it was all in garbage time uh, against Jacksonville. He's just throwing the ball to the line of scrimmage, and, and that's pretty much it. Corey Davis ranks sixth in receiving yards on the Titans right now. He's got only 82, and he's seeing a 14% target share. Um, He's not really usable right now for me. He's a benchable guy. That being said, the Falcons are going to be without Keanu Neal. They're kind of hybrid safety linebacker, and I think this opens up some big-time potential uh, ground for Derrick Henry, even though Derrick Henry's snaps have fallen three consecutive weeks uh, to 48% now as there's a season low in week three. They play Deion Lewis when they're behind, and they're projected to be playing from behind here in Atlanta. Um, On the other side, the Atlanta Falcons, what a weird, weird game for them. First half, they were terrible. Second half, I think they were three for three scoring touchdowns. It wasn't enough. There really hasn't been a, a, a consistency to the Falcons. Even against the Eagles, it seemed like it, when they won that game, it seemed like it was all big plays and no consistency. They were not sustaining drives, and they still needed Nelson Aguilar to drop a wide-open pass to win that game. The one thing that I am wondering here, though, is if they were maybe working in Edo Smith a little too much. Now, Edo Smith suffered a concussion last week, right? We want, we want Edo Smith to get healthy. But without Edo Smith, the Falcons played Devontae Freeman on 90% of the snaps. They gave him 16 carries and four targets, and their offense moved the ball consistently on the ground for the first time this season. They have a really tough matchup this week against the Tennessee Titans, though, and we saw what they did to Leonard Fournette last week, and I'm sure we will be talking about Leonard Fournette. But if Edo Smith can't go... I seriously wonder if this offense might look better because they were forced to commit to Devontae Freeman, and for the first time all year, he looked like he was capable of sustaining some drives for them, and that was an important factor for Atlanta. What about the guys at the other positions? Obviously, Julio, uh, how do you like his matchup from a DFS standpoint? Hooper, what do you got elsewhere? Well, the Titans gave up quite a bit of production to DJ Chark last week. I'm not... not shying away from Julio. I don't think it's a terribly exploitable matchup. I wonder if this is a little bit of a bounce back spot for Calvin Ridley. Bizarre. Just one target in that game. He crushed a lot of people last week coming off of two pretty good games, especially the game against the Eagles. This is a much better defense than the Eagles defense. I think it's also though a better defense than the one they played last week, the Colts that held it, uh, that held Calvin Ridley to one reception. I do predict a bounce back spot for Calvin Ridley. He's a wide receiver three. Julio's a locked in wide receiver one and Austin Hooper, very interesting to see. He got in the end zone twice last week. You don't anticipate that from Austin Hooper. You just really anticipate him getting just a handful of targets, and hopefully he's a PPR guy. But he saw seven targets last week, which was second on the team. He's also on the tight end one radar. And it's important to note that because George Kittle is off this week. Let's get to what could be an interesting matchup in the NFC East. Redskins and Giants. We are recording this Tuesday afternoon. As of now, it appears Case Keenum is still the starting quarterback 
for the Washington Redskins, not Dwayne Haskins. Meanwhile, Danny Dimes looked pretty good. There's got to be a place for that guy in some fantasy lineups, huh? How about like all of them, maybe? Absolutely. I picked him up uh, in a high stakes league, a a league in which, you know, I I, I was – playing woe is me here. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I had both Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees on that team. Uh, I thought I was done. And then I went out and I was like, I got to pick up Daniel Jones. And, you know, he's a little bit more athletic. Well, I didn't anticipate him running the way he did in that game. I didn't anticipate, uh, apparently he's been the third fastest quarterback, according to Next Gen Stats, uh, behind only Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson this year. So he is way more athletic than people thought. And I know that's the cliche with white quarterbacks, but I think it's just bizarre to see a giant quarterback taking off and providing juice with his legs after having to watch Eli Manning for 15 years. So Daniel Jones... I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. I do believe, while that buck run defense has been improved, I do believe the secondary is still exploitable. They did play uh, against Jimmy Garoppolo, who was wildly inaccurate in Week 1, and then they played a banged-up Cam Newton in Week 2. So just with with Daniel Jones being healthy and flashing some athleticism, I think the Buccaneer back end was a little bit exposed. I wouldn't anticipate that being the norm for Daniel Jones going forward, but he does have some talent. Sterling Shepard, uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, how about Evan Ingram on that 76-yard touchdown, just running away from the defense? I mean, he can fly. And then in, in next week, uh, he gets Golden Tate back uh, from suspension. So there, there's actually going to be a little bit more juice here for Daniel Jones than you might think. And believe it or not, this game right now, is the fourth highest lined game at 47 total points of the week. So the markets are anticipating there's going to be some points scored in this game. Washington's defense has been really bad. We saw that in Monday night, giving up three touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky and Taylor Gabriel. And the Giants' defense has been completely non-existent. This is one of your sneaky DFS stack games of the week on both sides of the ball. I want to get Giants and Redskins in my lineup this week. Wow. All right. I like it. Uh, let's get specific. Uh, sure. your, your thoughts on Gallman. Mm-hmm. He played every snap when Saquon Barkley went down after the high ankle sprain. I don't anticipate that's going to be the case going forward here. Uh, that being said, the Giants have only two other running backs aside from Barkley on their roster. That would be Gallman and Elijah Penny, who they've been using as a fullback. I would think they're going to add somebody to the roster this week. They have two guys on their practice squad, and maybe they go sign a free agent if Barkley's injury turns out to be pretty serious. The thing I got from Gallman when I watched him at Clemson was everything that he was good at was pretty evident on tape. He was a good receiver. He was an outstanding blocker, very competitive blocker, and a very competitive runner. He just cannot create the way Saquon Barkley can create. So I'm going to liken him to kind of when you see Jamal Williams getting the lead dog role with with Green Bay. Or maybe even on the lower end when we saw Elijah McGuire with the Jets at the end of last year. A guy that the team is going to use because they have to use him. I think he's an RB2 right now strictly because of volume. In no way am I saying he's going to replace Saquon Barkley and what he can do with the ball in his hands. But the fact that Goleman can block and the fact that he was a good receiver in college says to me that he's going to be playing on third downs and he's going to be playing in the red zone. 
That's where I want my streaming running backs or my fill-in running backs to be making their hay on third down and in the red zone. And I do think Gallman has uh, shown a base level of competency in those areas, which is why I'd be very aggressive in picking him up off the waiver wire if I need a running back. How about for the Redskins on the other side? Uh, obviously, McLaurin's really good, man. Yeah, he's really good. And we're, we're talking, he's he's one of those receivers who I think you picked up after week one. And you say, I'll see where this goes. And after the Eagles, you know, he scored the long touchdown and he almost got hit on the other one. I think we're thinking in our minds, well, he could be maybe your Deshaun Jackson type of guy, your uh, Torrey Smith type of guy. You put him in the lineup and you hope he hits a 50-yard touchdown. And and if he does more, then that's great. But you anticipate the 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 bust games as well. He's being used as more than that. He is their number one receiver. And against this secondary, which has been consistently burned week after week, uh, I don't want to I don't want to toot my own horn last week, but I did call the Mike Evans breakout game. I said I was using him everywhere in DFS. Terry McLaurin's going to be very popular in DFS this week. The Giants cannot cover a soul. Uh, Jameis Winston is actually getting the ball. Excuse me, I'm thinking of the Buccaneers last week. Uh, Case Keenum has shown the ability to get the ball to, to Terry McLaurin. I think he'll continue to do that this week, if indeed he is the starter. Uh, I, I think I identified they play the Dolphins in a couple of weeks. I think that's when they might be uh, looking to take the bubble paper off of Dwayne Haskins. If it is Keenum, I anticipate Terry McLaurin to be very, very popular for DFS this week. Let's move on. I don't imagine there's anybody else really worth talking about. Chris Thompson's about it. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, he in PPR, about you can you can anticipate 10 to 14 points per game. The problem is the Redskins are actually only short underdogs. They're just two-point underdogs right now. And when they're playing in a close game, which Monday night clearly was not, uh, Adrian Peterson's going to get more touches. But if they're playing from behind, I think 13 to 15 points is acceptable from Chris Thompson. In PPR leagues, he should be picked up in each and every one because he's somebody you can plug in with those bye weeks and maybe get a seven or eight catch game out of him. Okay, let's get to the next game, Joe, and it is the Chargers at the Dolphins. Chargers, I mean... Usual suspects, I assume, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. What else needs to be said there? Uh, can I just say for this one with the Dolphins, and until further notice, start them all. Just start them all against against Miami. Uh, even, Dallas, even Dallas last week, and, and I think you, you would agree that it wasn't Dak Prescott's sharpest game of the year by any stretch. Dallas, uh, Dallas would have had to fall, would have had to play like, without pads on to lose that game. And they probably still would have won that game. It's, it's just so pathetic what I'm seeing out of Miami right now. Keenan Allen would get it done against anybody. So I'm surely not worried about Xavier Howard, who Amari Cooper undressed last week. Uh, Mike Williams, I think you can throw out there. Austin Eckler, and maybe even on the deep end radar. Do you remember me mentioning last week, Ross, that I thought if you were really hurting at running back, you could use Tony Pollard because the Cowboys could run away with this game and they'll bench Ezekiel Elliott and get Pollard in there. Turns out Pollard runs for over 100 yards and a touchdown basically just in the fourth quarter of that game. I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Jackson does the same thing in this game. You know, it's a, it's a good point and it was a great call by you on Pollard. What about for the Dolphins? Did you see anything from Rosen that would make you think there's people we should know about in this matchup for the Dolphins from a fantasy perspective? 
I'm employing a strict no Dolphins policy on my fantasy teams. I've dropped Kalen Balaj wherever I've had him simply because, uh, well, let me be frank, he looks like one of the worst football players on planet Earth. He just he's got nothing for me. The only guy who I am interested in in the least, and I'm talking deep league right here, is Preston Williams, who saw 12 targets in that game. He's talented. Josh Rosen seems to have a rapport with him. Uh, he only caught four of the 12 targets against the Cowboys, but he played on almost every snap and saw 12 targets. He's a guy you can plug in as a desperation number three wide receiver. My problem is I wonder if he sees shadow coverage from Casey Hayward. If Devontae Parker takes that away, then Preston Williams might be able to put up some numbers in this game. Raiders at the Colts. Darren Waller, man, that, that's one where the preseason hype was real. Yeah, it was real, and he's just – you start him every week. Derek Carr – Sometimes you break down these offseason narratives. Oh, Derek Carr loved throwing to Jared Cook. He's going to pepper the tight end with targets. And, you know, you say to yourself, well, maybe he just liked throwing to Jared Cook. Well, he likes throwing to Darren Waller more, and Darren Waller's better than Jared Cook. So you start him every week. He's a top five tight end right now. Uh, Darren Waller, what did, he, what did he see, 14 targets, and he caught 13 of them in that game. He also had a rush attempt against my uh, Minnesota. So he's kind of the engine that makes the offense go right now, especially with Tyrell Williams dinged up. There was an interesting comment this week, though, uh, from John Gruden, and I completely agree, Coach Gruden. He wants to see Josh Jacobs get more catches. This has been a major area that is limiting Josh Jacobs' fantasy upside. Last week, just... 42% of the snaps, he had 10 carries and two targets, didn't catch either one of his targets. Meanwhile, they're working in DeAndre Washington. Jalen Richard plays more snaps than Josh Jacobs, and for the second consecutive week, he fumbles on one of his five touches. Get Josh Jacobs the football. Nobody else can move the ball on this team. He's one of their two or three best players. They have got to get Josh Jacobs and make him the focal point of that backfield. With Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, and Darren Waller, you actually have a semblance of talent there. If you're the Raiders, they have just got to utilize Jacobs. I wonder if he was a little bit banged up, and it was a tough matchup against the Vikings, but the sledding gets just a little bit easier here against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Devontae Freeman had a very nice game last week, and of course, Austin Eckler shredded them earlier. So I think this is a bounce-back spot for Josh Jacobs. His price is going to go down for DFS, with Gruden saying, uh, 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 you know, um, the, the gentleman who handed the podcast over to me, Evan Silva, always likes to use the uh, grease the squeaky wheel uh, kind of uh, kind of metaphor there. I wonder if Josh Jacobs is the squeaky wheel this week. And they're going against the Colts team that's coming in a little beat up. Uh, mm -hmm. Malik Hooker, who I saw play in the high school Pennsylvania State Championship huge basketball huge for Darren game. Waller. What's that? Huge, huge right. for Darren Waller across the middle of the field. Yeah. I mean, that that's significant. What about the Colts offensively? Nice game by Brissett against, um, now I'm blanking, Falcons. Yeah, against the Falcons. He played really well. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, by the way, we don't know. this. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so we don't know if his uh, quad injury is going to hold him out. It's a great spot for Jacoby Brissett, uh, especially if Hilton goes. If Hilton doesn't go... I kind of wonder if Brissett is a sneaky DFS option against this defense that's just getting cooked by everybody. And uh, Paris Campbell would be the guy I'm interested in for the Colts. I would think his snaps, the rookie wide receiver, would be the one that goes up the most if T.Y. Hilton can't play in this game. He played a career-high 45% last week, saw three targets. I do wonder if he's the guy who would be the biggest beneficiary if T.Y. Hilton can't go. If T.Y. Hilton can go... 
Jacoby Brissett is probably going to be a little bit more popular for DFS, though people might be a little hesitant given Hilton's status. Brissett is a risky but attractive DFS option because this Raider defense can't stop anybody. Um, anybody else on the Colts? I mean, oh yeah, Marlon Mack. You just play him every week at this point. He came into this game banged up and still got it done. Sixteen carries, three targets, got in the end zone. You play Marlon Mack every week, and 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 you you sleep like a baby at this point. And of course, there's Eric Ebron is a tight end you can plug in and hope he gets a touchdown. Okay, Panthers, Texans, Kyle Allen, Joe is the NFL this MVP. real? Uh, I don't know if it's real because they played the Cardinals and the Cardinals haven't been able to stop a soul. What I do know is real is the fact that Kyle Allen in the current configuration is better for this offense than an injured Cam Newton. That doesn't mean I think Cam Newton shouldn't be the quarterback when he's healthy, barring Allen just going completely nuts. But right now he gives this offense more. DJ Moore, I would have liked to see more out of. He saw only two targets against the Cardinals and got a carry but at least one of the targets was a 52-yard touchdown. So he he came through for you. Curtis Samuel came through in a big way. Greg Olson has to be one of the stories of the fantasy football season thus far. Uh, he scores two touchdowns coming off a 100-yard game. So the Carolina Panthers, I think, are actually kind of cooking here a little bit with Kyle Allen. They are four-and-a-half-point underdogs to Houston here in Houston. And that Houston defense really hasn't impressed me too much. So I think it's a very good spot for, for Kyle Allen, I think it's a good spot for Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and I think it's a good spot for Greg Olson. Uh, I, I would think DJ Moore would be one of the more under-the-radar DFS options this week because he only caught one pass last week. I wonder if he's somebody who could uh, get the uh, the squeaky wheel treatment this week. Uh, Kyle Allen was impressive to me. Yeah, I'm with you. We know about Christian McCaffrey. Um, he's good, isn't he? he? He is good. What about... You know, Asante, Sam- Asante Samuel, um, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, uh, Greg Olson. Uh, Samuel, seven targets, uh, which is what we wanted to see. He got in the end zone. He's a wide receiver three. I think DJ Moore is still a wide receiver two. I trust him a little bit more than Samuel, even though Samuel saw, saw more targets. And like I said, I think he's kind of the under the radar DFS option this week. People might be thinking, oh, Samuel is is um, Kyle Allen's guy. Maybe that's the case. I'll take the shot on more with the Panthers projected to be playing from behind in this game. And Greg Olson, you can play every week. I mean, uh, Kyle Allen, one of his touchdowns when he started in week 17 last year went to Ian Thomas, the tight end. And then he threw two to Greg Olson against the Cardinals. Now, that's a great matchup for tight ends. But Olson has been one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL this year. I think Greg Olson is is a guy who's in your lineups until further notice. I should mention, too, uh, Joe. Well, actually, you know what? Let's get to the Texans first. And then I'll mention that. Houston Texans. I got to tell you, man, Deshaun Watson is an absolute magician. He yeah, he's is fun to watch. so fun to watch. I have no idea how he does a lot of the stuff he does. He, he's really fun to watch, and it's the, they're never out of the game when he's around. Uh, that, that second touchdown to Jordan Aikens was just freaking phenomenal last week uh, against the Chargers, the one that won the game where he escaped, and then Aikens was running free down the field, and Watson just hit him uh, in stride. The problem was for the Texans last week is most of the fantasy production came out of guys that you weren't playing. Uh, Darren Fells got in the end zone, and then Jordan Aiken scored two touchdowns. I'd be wary of, of picking up either of those two guys off the waiver wire or playing them in DFS. We'll get to the guy who's going to be super chalky for DFS later on in the program. 
But DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, I think it was like Hopkins was just under 13 points. Fuller was just over 10 fantasy points. So despite Deshaun Watson playing super well, it was kind of a disappointment for all the receivers that you would typically be playing. The good news is I think Kenny Stills is somebody you can consider picking up. His snaps are up to 53%. He caught four for 82 on six targets. He's somebody I'm, I'm adding to the back end of my bench as a wide receiver three because Deshaun Watson uh, is is uh, is starting to trust him a little bit more. And when I mean back end of the bench, I mean more like a wide receiver five that you can consider playing as a wide receiver three in, in certain weeks. This is going to be an interesting game. Lined at 46, which is on the higher end of average. Uh, so there's expected to be some decent scoring in this game. Uh, Houston is uh, is lined at like the seventh or the eighth top scoring team of the week, which would indicate, A, that they think this Carolina defense is exploitable, and B, that this is also a Carlos Hyde game because they're projected to play from ahead. Uh, the thing I was going to mention is, I don't know if you've checked it out yet, Joe, we got a lot of listeners that are supporting this show and all of our shows at RT Media by going to patreon.com slash RT Media. If you listen to other podcasts, you're familiar with Patreon. Pretty awesome. We're getting new patrons every single day. For just the lowest category, $5 a month, you get a signed picture from me, a signed shout-out, or not a signed shout-out, a shout-out on the podcast of your choice, and ask a question on any podcast of your choice, in addition to knowing that you are supporting me, you're supporting Joe, you're supporting Brian, and everything we do. It's patreon.com slash rtmedia, and it is much appreciated. And another way in which you can win one of the free copies of Madden this week. Let's get to the Chiefs and the Lions Holy cow, Joe. Nicole Hardman. I mean, we know Mahomes yep. is an alien, but Nicole Hardman, talk to me. Well, the first thing that, I, that I'd that i be pointing out here is you obviously can play any of these guys any given week. And despite Patrick Mahomes kind of rewriting the fantasy book on what we can anticipate from a quarterback, normally we say, oh, there's only one football to go around. And that is true. And eventually it will bite the Chiefs. But... When you have that kind of upside, I am always willing to take the potential zero in a lineup with me, Cole Hardman, or a Demarcus Robinson, somebody like that, because I don't want to miss the potential pop-off. And both of these guys scored last week. I don't see why it couldn't happen again this week, because uh, last week the, the Lions lost Darius Slay to a hamstring injury. If he is not out there, well, not only does that improve the, the, the matchup, for Sammy Watkins, but it improves the matchup for everybody down the line because then their second corner moves up to their first corner. Their third corner moves up to their second corner. It just helps everybody. I am getting all of these guys in my lineup this week with the understanding that A, Darius Slay might not play, and B, even if he does play, he might be hobbled. That is not what you want. A a corner hobbled on a hamstring injury against the team with the outrageous speed of the Kansas City Chiefs. Running backs. LaShawn McCoy, Daryl Williams, what do you got? Well, here's here's the thing that 
I picked out from Andy Reid this week. Andy Reid on Monday came out and said he really gave LaShawn McCoy some credit for playing through an ankle injury, which apparently he tweaked late in that game against Baltimore. Now, I don't know how serious that is. Again, we're, we're only here on Tuesday. They don't need to report that just yet. But it was interesting that Daryl Williams came in and actually played the most snaps of anybody in this backfield. And we have to see about Damian Williams, and we certainly have to see about McCoy. But Daryl Williams is going to play. He is ahead of Darwin Thompson right now. And I don't see anything that Daryl Williams did in week three that would make them bench him for Darwin Thompson. Nine carries for 62 yards, five receptions for 47 yards, all while playing a team-leading snap share in that backfield. And this was all against the Ravens' defense. So I absolutely think Daryl Williams is somebody you can consider with the Chiefs projected to play from ahead, as they will be most weeks. He is firmly ahead of Darwin Thompson. And if you need a running back this week, you should drop Darwin Thompson for Daryl Williams. Even if you think Darwin Thompson is going to be good long-term, Daryl Williams is the guy getting the touches right now. Uh, of course, this changes if McCoy and Damian Williams are fine. But as we sit here on a Tuesday, Daryl Williams is actually looking pretty appealing as an RB2 flex option. And by the way, he, I had him in a contest on DraftKings at 0.5% owned last week. He was down at minimum price. I'm sure it's going to go up, but he didn't do so much that it should go up a ton. He would be a DFS option again. What about for the Lions on the other side? Well, on Johnson under two yards of carry last week, but he did get 20 carries, and that is an eagle defense, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. That's doing a really good job. Uh, they're giving up the second fewest rushing yards uh, per game. Uh, Ty Johnson didn't get the work as their scat back that I anticipated. He played only 20% uh, percent of the snaps, so he's still somebody who right now is just a bench stash. It is yet another good game, though, for their wide receivers because we're in a projected we're in a projected high scoring game, as most Kansas City games are going to be this year. Ross, they are projected at 54 points. That is the highest projected total of the week. Kenny Galladay was the big DFS stinker of the week last last week against the Eagles. I think he caught just two of his eight targets. Meanwhile, Marvin Jones was the guy who popped off for 100 yards and a touchdown. I would think. It evens out a little bit this week. Both Galladay and Marvin Jones are viable. And TJ Hawkinson, by the way, had a touchdown come off the board. I know after that big uh, debut in week one, he's been disappointing. But I wouldn't give up on him just yet. He did have a touchdown come off the board. What is going on with the Cleveland Browns? They play at the Ravens, Joe. <sighs> yeah. Uh, uh, Ross, I, I want to default to you on this one for just a second. What are you seeing from their offensive line? in Cleveland they haven't been great but I don't think they've been that bad they've been about what I thought they'd be I feel like Baker is quick to leave um, they're knocking the ball out of his hands quickly doesn't seem like they're doing as much play action stuff I would say they've probably been about what I expected which is to say below average but I've been very disappointed by both Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield yeah I think Freddie Kitchens needs to remove his cranium from his sigmoid colon is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, you got to wake up here, Freddie Kitchens. Uh, I, and I agree with you. Baker does not look comfortable. And while he garnered a reputation for being that playmaking type of quarterback, and, and, and with good reason, he has that kind of ability, I think his hay is made as a pocket passer. And I, I can count on one hand, I think, the good throws I've seen him make out of the pocket this year. It's really been bizarre, and I think he's just moving too much. I think he's feeling too much pressure. I contend 
that this offense is going to figure it out. It has too much talent not to. But Odell Beckham, low-end wide receiver one right now. Uh, the Ravens got toasted last week, but that's the Chiefs. They toast everybody. I would expect a bounce-back spot from that defense. Jarvis Landry, mediocre wide receiver three at best. Their tight end position is unusable with David Njoku on IR. The one good thing I will say about the Cleveland Browns against the Rams in week three, Nick Chubb played all but two offensive snaps. Dontrell Hillier got one snap. Ernest Johnson got one snap. Nick Chubb got 97% of the snaps, saw 23 carries, and got seven targets. His 30 opportunities were the most of any running back in week three. He is a hammer running back one because they have got to establish some sort of consistency, some some sort of chain-moving element to this offense. And at least they decided Nick Chubb and not Ernest Johnson is the one who gives them that. So that's the big takeaway I've had. But right now, Jarvis Landry, eminently benchable. Odell Beckham, I'm still playing him every week, but the ceiling's a little bit lower. Baker Mayfield, you can stream another quarterback. Uh, Until I see some more consistency, and in this tough matchup, I'm not sure we're going to get it. Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, these guys are benchable. How about on the other side for the Ravens? Play Lamar every week. Um, The Browns' defense, by the way, is actually playing. I I think one of the things that that is escaping people because the talk is on the offense is how well this defense is playing. So Lamar Jackson – Uh, As expected, at some point, the 2018 Lamar Jackson as a passer was going to show up. You take what he did in the first two weeks, and you understand that it was extremely impressive. You also understand that he was going against, in what is in my mind so far this year, two of the three worst defenses I've seen, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, the other being the Giants. So they saw two of those defenses in in weeks one and two. You have to take that into account. The Chiefs have been improved as a defense. I don't think anybody would say that they were great, but Lamar Jackson struggled as a passer last week. But he got it done as a runner, and I think that's what's going to happen most weeks. You keep playing him. Um, you have to see what goes on here with Denzel Ward at corner because if Denzel Ward doesn't go, I am going to throw Marquise Brown out there again. He was a big fantasy disappointment in week number three with only two catches against the Chiefs, but he saw a team-high nine targets, and he played a team-leading share of the snaps for the Ravens wide receivers. So I'm not going to freak out. He's back in my lineup. Um, Mark Andrews also, I know he was banged up. But he saw seven targets in that game, and Lamar Jackson was not particularly sharp as a passer. I am going back to the well with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. God, anything else Ravens-related we need to say, or can we move on? Mark Ingram, baby. RB1 right now. Uh, three touchdowns. He is a great fit in this offense. And now you, we finally saw the Ravens in a game that was competitive, and he was by far their leading snap getter in the backfield, 60% of the snaps. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites here at home against Cleveland. I would fire up Mark Ingram as an RB1, and I think he's a really solid DFS option with the Ravens expected to play from ahead in this game. How about the Patriots at the Bills? A couple of undefeated teams to wrap up episode number one of the Fantasy Feast this week. Well, maybe the Patriots are are, are getting uh, maybe what you would say is the worst 3-0 team in football here. Actually, I would say it's the 49ers, but the, the Bills are... The Bills are up there. They've taken advantage of a soft schedule thus far, but so have the Patriots. And and this is actually a team that I think might provide the Patriots a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I'm going to start on the negative end, though. I am sounding the alarm bells on Sony Michelle. 
He looks like crap out there, and the Patriots apparently agree. Against the Jets, a game that the Patriots had in control from the opening kickoff until the final whistle, he played 22% of the snaps. That is a career low in a game in which he was active. He had nine carries for 11 yards. Thank God he got in the end zone, because uh, if he didn't do that, he would have stunk up the joint for the second time in three weeks. He played fewer snaps than Brandon Bolden. Rex Burkhead played 74% of the snaps for the Patriots. Oh, and by the way, James White's wife isn't giving birth this week. He'll be back. I think Sony Michelle could be in some serious trouble for snaps here. Buffalo's defense has given up production to running backs, but uh, this game flow might not be as overly positive as the Patriots have seen thus far this year. I think we are in bad, bad way for Sony Michelle. And you have to wonder, how long does this go on? before they take a look at Damian Harris, the rookie out of Alabama who they took in the third round. Uh, anything else Patriots-related? Edelman, what do you got? Yeah, you got to watch the, the chest injury. If he if he doesn't go this week, you bump up Philip Dorsett to wide receiver two range. You bump up Josh Gordon to wide receiver two range. When all three of those guys are healthy, I kind of treat them like a lowercase Rams trio of wide receivers. The Rams have that really narrow a target tree, which we love for fantasy. I think Dorsett, Julian Edelman, and Gordon are the same, just a little quote unquote worse. Uh, when they're all healthy, I think Edelman's a two. Josh Gordon is a sol- is a high end three, and Dorsett's a low end three. If Edelman's not in there, I think uh, Gordon gets bumped up to a two, and Dorsett gets bumped up to a high end three. And you could even take a DFS shot if Edelman doesn't play on Jacoby Myers, who played sixty four percent of the snaps last week. On the other side, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen doing it with his legs again. Mm-hmm. What what do we need to know fantasy-wise for them? Uh, well, I, I want to watch the backfield. Frank Gore came through for everybody this week. Uh, he got in the end zone. He had 14 run, runs. He had two targets on 63% of the snaps. We'll see what Devin Singletary does this week. Um, if Devin Singletary plays, I think both Gore and Singletary are low-end flex plays against this really good Patriot defense. They're averaging like three and a half yards per play against, which is by far the best in the NFL thus far. John Brown, for the first time this year, really tough matchup for him. He's going to get what I would figure to be shadow coverage from Stephon Gilmore. That's a bad news for John Brown. I would think Cole Beasley is the beneficiary as Josh Allen checks it down to him across the middle. I'm not saying Josh Allen won't take shots to John Brown. But Cole Beasley, I think, who had 10 targets last week, I think he becomes the big-time beneficiary of that. He's a lower-end DFS option. He'll be very low-priced on DraftKings. You can plug him in in as a flex. And for those of you in deeper leagues, want to watch the waiver wire, this tight end, Dawson Knox, the rookie, had a mini breakout game, stiff-armed a guy into the next century. He had four targets and and a rush attempt, got in the end zone. Dawson Knox, that's a name to watch for the future. Great stuff, Joe. Already excited about part number two, which will be released after midnight on your podcast apps. Take all the knowledge, all of it, and go to Daily Fantasy at Yahoo. It is better than ever this year. Yahoo Daily Fantasy just released a new 500K contest. They call it the 500K Baller that has a first place prize of 50 grand. Gotta check it out. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cashola. Get started now at yahoo.com 
slash daily fantasy. That's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Plus, when you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25 for $25 in free plays. That's POD25, promo code for $25 in free play. Good stuff, Joe. Let's rock and roll with part number two. Make sure if you didn't check out the College Draft podcast today or my Power Rankings podcast today, you do that. Other than that, I'm stuffed, but I still left a little bit of room for part two. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.